Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. While nobody likes the embarrassment or humiliation feelings that come along with expressing remorse, remorse is there to help you. It helps you because it's a strong emotional sensation that will produce learning. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This episode kicks off a four-part series about the link between remorse and personal accountability. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt bad because you dropped the ball on a project or didn't do something you told someone you would, or knew you should feel guilty for not keeping an obligation but actually don't? What if responsibility meant proactively looking at how you might be being irresponsible? This sometimes leads to remorse, the discomfort and regret you feel, which is crucial because it produces learning, as is so often, no pain, no gain. Everyone makes mistakes or bad choices in one way or another at one time or another. When you hold someone accountable or are being held accountable for something you've done, the remorse involved is actually critical in making a change. No remorse, and you can count on it happening again. This episode explores the link between remorse and change in great detail, plus I'll explain how you can utilize this as a management tool that helps your employees see how they've erred and to ensure it doesn't happen again. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of clear and open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's dive in. So I, I, I kind of remember doing the doing the excuses list in the past, but I don't know how honest I was being with myself until this time around. I think I discovered that I I use a lot a lot more of them more often than I care to admit. <laughs> well said, really well said. Yeah, the excuse list is uh, it's like um, breathing. It's not something you do once and then you're done. It's looking at how and why and in what ways you're making excuses, I would offer is what a responsible person does, or I don't like to use responsible as a noun that way, a responsible person. It's responsibility. This is the responsibility paradox. Remember the responsibility is looking at how you're being irresponsible. This one idea has the power to completely change someone's life. Now, the inverse of that, deciding you're a responsible person and making it a noun, that's not in your best interests, is what I'm asserting. It's not in your best interest. It's in your best interest if you prefer comfort over truth. You see, that's why people do it. Well, I'm a responsible person. You've all heard someone say that and maybe been that person where you call someone on something and you're like, and they're like, oh, well, I'm a responsible person. Like, you know, like they get to decide that. See, it says right here on my, there's a stamp 
certified responsible by inspector number six, you know, (laughs) oh, I'm sorry, you're a responsible person. Well, in that case, I must be completely wrong that you dropped this ball. I want to make sure I get it right. This, this thing being looking for where you're irresponsible, uh, has, would you say had the power to change your life? Essentially. Yeah. That you frame responsibility is not a state of being. It's, it's something you practice by looking proactively looking for where you're being irresponsible. That's what a response, a responsible person, someone we would describe as responsible, how you get to be a highly responsible person is something that many of you have already done. You do that by looking at where you drop balls and then not being okay with it. That's it. Now that sounds simple, of course, in practice, it can be quite difficult, but I was just talking to a client in this, this last meeting who, who, um, he's the founder of a company. He has a CEO who's working for them. The CEO is a very natural manager and he's not, he's a very natural entrepreneur. Uh, and they both have enormous gifts and if they can figure out how to work together, well, there'll be an amazing synergy. They had an assignment, each of them to write a vision. And one of my favorite things to do is to have people who are um, and you can you can do this uh, when you, anytime you have a business or, or even just a small project with someone. Both of you write a vision of what you want it to look like without talking to each other, and then when you're done, you compare notes, and it's really a joy because ninety percent of the time there's a ton of overlap, and you get to have this experience of like, yeah, we totally see this the same way. Now let's talk about the ten or twenty percent where we don't, and you hammer it out. Right. So I gave them this assignment, super important for where they're at and what they're dealing with. The CEO did it. The founder didn't. More importantly, so when I said, so uh, did you do it? He said, no. And then he said, well, I kind of did some of it. I thought about this, but then he went around to, no, I didn't do it. Telling me he has a kind of ambivalent relationship to the assignment. And I said, what is your relationship to not having done the assignment? That's a context question. What is your relationship to it? Content is, didn't get done. Did you do it? No. Context. What is your relationship to that you didn't do it? Now, here's something no school teacher probably ever asked you about your homework. Did you do your homework? No. End of story. Where's the curiosity? What happened? What got in the way? How are you feeling right now about not having done it? The whole class sometimes should have been spent on talking to the five or six people in the room who didn't do the homework. Not to make an example of them, although that would be part of the effect, but to show what contextual thinking is, is in being curious. So I, saw, I already knew what his relationship to it was, you see, because he was wishy-washy about it, unapologetic, and not expressing any remorse, right? So I already had an observation about what his relationship was to it, which was something between I don't care and it doesn't matter. So I asked him, what do you think he said? Um, As you were telling the story, I was like, he doesn't give a shit. (laughs) He doesn't care. Um, My question is, and I don't know if the answer is, was he authentic enough to give you a, a real response? Like my gut check is that he probably was like, you know what? I don't care. It's not important to me, but I'm curious if he actually 
was able to say that because I think that's probably what he believes. Well, it's a really great question, and thank you. Um, what's going on in him is that part of him really does care about it, but a part of him doesn't want to have to commit to anything because it would mean boundaries, and boundaries yeah. are not freedom. Yeah. So when you add those two together, sort of like adding, you know, negative one plus plus one, and you add them together, it cancels out and you get sort of this blank in between thing. That's what's going on. It's his company. Of course, he cares about the vision and the future of it. It's not perceivable because it's being canceled out by this other aspect of him. So there wasn't a remorse of like, oh, crap. Yeah, I totally forgot that. How did I forget? Oh, I'm sorry. Now our time is wasted. That's remorse. That's an outward expression, a relational expression of regret. You can regret without talking to anybody about it. Remorse I'm defining as a relational expression of it. And we'll probably talk more about this today. This is really important because while nobody likes the embarrassment or humiliation feelings that come along with expressing remorse, it's not comfortable in other words. Remorse is there to help you. It helps you because it's a strong emotional sensation that will produce learning. One of the dynamics that is super important with change is relating with other people. The three R's from the book Change or Die, relate, repeat, reframe. The relate one speaks to like, have you ever been trying to make a commitment to do something difficult and you told 10 people that you were going to do it or even one person? It's helpful, isn't it? Yeah. Think about the essence of what's going on there. We're social beings. So when you tell people in your life that are important to you that you're going to do something, it structurally does something. It supports you to do it. And you start thinking, well, if I don't do it, then I'm going to have to tell so-and-so and they're going to be like, what? come on. You know, the more people you tell, the more support that is. Now you might perceive that as pressure and well, it is pressure is neither negative or positive at essence. I mean, there can be too much or there can be too little. If you told every person in the world, somehow that might be too much pressure. <laughs> 7 billion people counting on you somehow to do this, uh, how you, how you could get 7 billion people to care about one thing you were doing. I don't know. So Remorse is there to help you because it's relational. So I asked this client, how do you feel about this? Well, his response was, I don't understand the question, which is what people always say when I say, what is your relationship to that thing? And they don't want to answer the question. I don't understand the question. Come on, you don't understand the question. How do you feel about it? Then I give examples. Are you okay? Are you not okay? Are you frustrated? Are you overjoyed? What are you, what's going on in you about the fact that you broke your word in this? Because I don't buy that it's nothing or that you don't understand the question. Right? What's really going on is a shutdown, an inward contraction that prevents remorse, you see? And that was his pattern. And it's the pattern in many people. They get called on something breaking an agreement or not following through or whatever. And then you go, so what have you got to say for yourself about this? Depending on your role, you know, whether you're their manager or a peer, you'll do it in different ways. And then 
what I call the hand in the face moment, the slapping the forehead, the, oh man, I did it again. I'm so sorry. That creates change. And this is very difficult for many people to understand because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. But hey, I heard somewhere that sometimes doing what doesn't feel good is actually healthy for you, right? Exercise doesn't necessarily feel good either. Studying really hard doesn't necessarily feel good either. Remorse is something that is actually in your benefit. Now, why does this relatively simple idea, why is it so misunderstood? There's a really simple and difficult reason for it. Why do we avoid remorse? I think it's because we're all conditioned to be like comfortable. Like that's the main goal. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's the, the, the broad piece of it. Um, we all want to be comfortable, but there's a specific kind of pain that can come up when you're held accountable for something that is a subset of discomfort. That is a pain that we really don't like. I would, I know for me, it's, I feel like I lose a piece of my identity of being that person I thought I was. I have to step away from that. Yes. Now we're getting warmer. Right. And the shame associated with that, I would say. Those, that's the two, that's, those are the two pieces I would say. It's shame. Now let's define some terms here. This is all stuff we should have learned in sixth grade, eighth grade health. Let's start, let's start talking. This is when you learn about self-esteem. Oh man, the teachings about self-esteem that we're exposed to in, in public education, anemic at best, right? We're taught that self-esteem is basically the gap between who you want to be and who you actually are, something like that. This is really not effective. So let's define some, some terms. Shame is the feeling that you yourself are fundamentally bad at the level of essence. Shame is I'm bad. I'm a bad person. I haven't carefully, I have to rewrite these. I'm sort of borrowing a little bit from Brene Brown, but I don't fully like her, her array because she doesn't define remorse. She defines guilt as I did something bad. And we can go with that in the moment, even though I'm going to splay it a different way at some point. Because guilt still has a negative connotation. But at least guilt is not, I'm bad. You know, when you feel guilty about something, you're not telling yourself that you're not worthy to be alive. You just, ah, oh, I did this and I feel really guilty about it. Oh, if I don't buy them a birthday present, I'll feel guilty. Not, if I don't buy them, them a birthday present, I'll be a worthless human being and I'll have to kill myself. That's different. Shame, real deep shame. That's the feeling of not being worthy of existing somewhere in that realm. Really, really important distinction. And they tend to get blended up, right? You've all probably had this experience. You make a mistake, you make a bad choice, and there's a storm in your head about it. And some of, those, some of the self-talk, because that's where this happens at the level of self-talk, some of that self-talk is regret about the choice or the action or absence thereof. And some of that self-talk is about you as a person. The um, social science shows, fascinatingly, the evidence shows that when you beat yourself up as a person, 
it means it makes you more likely to do it again. When you regret the action, it tends to produce change. In other words, shame doesn't work from a strictly functional perspective. It doesn't work. People who go to shame do it again. People who regret the action, to use Brene Brown's term, feel guilty about it, which I still don't like. I'd prefer something uh, like remorse, but remorse specifically expressing it. That creates change. So I hope you see how hugely significant all of this is in the realm of accountability. When you're holding someone accountable or being held accountable, sometimes it feels like a razor's edge between shame and guilt, or today we're calling guilt. Feeling bad about the action versus feeling bad as a person. A manager's responsibility is to make sure the person is feeling appropriately bad about what they did or failed to do without it going into a personal territory that they're a bad person. And the person may present, you know, they they know they did something wrong, they get called into the office, right? They may present with not feeling bad about it enough or beating themselves up in a way that is not productive or anywhere in between. So the manager needs to locate where they are. So that's what I did when I asked that question. I, mean, I already, sort of, already sort of knew, but when I asked that question, okay, you didn't do the assignment. What is your relationship to that? You see, that's a locating question. How are you feeling about the fact that you dropped this ball? And I, I had a sense of how he felt about it, but I want to give him the opportunity to find the remorse in him because you know what? Now that you ask, I don't feel good about this at all. Great. Now I don't have to turn up the heat. Because what you do not want to do is turn up the heat while there's already a lot of guilt there in them that they just haven't expressed. So you want to give them the opportunity to express that. They may not be forthcoming with it. Ideally, they are. But if they're not forthcoming with it, and it's all inside them and you don't perceive that, you may pour on a bunch of, you know, accountabilizing, intervening, whatever you want to call it, in a way that's uncalled for and then pushes them into shame. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.